Okay, today I'm going to start into the book of Ephesians. There are four prison epistles. We just came through Philippians. Uh, they call them prison letters simply because uh, it appears that Paul wrote those while he was in prison. So in the book of Ephesians, uh, you have Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Uh, Ephesians and Colossians are very similar books. It you know, you get the impression that he wrote one, and while he's still thinking about the same issues, he writes the other one. They went out to different churches. Both have been saved for us. This particular one, um, I'm going to use the New Living Translation this morning. Um, I don't recommend memorizing the New Living Translation, but as far as reading and catching the general impression of what's going on, it's fantastic for that regard. It's a paraphrase. So if you were to say, well, how many times does Paul use this word in a book? This isn't a good translation to do that kind of study, the detail study. But if you want to catch the breath of what's going on, um, it works quite well. In fact, I, I like this translation in particular with the Psalms. It just reads really well. Um, that said, I chose... Uh, to use this translation largely because some of the speech, it, Paul at points seems pretty wordy, and you get blessed and glory, and uh, you know, it, it's so much so that it almost clouds to me what's going on. And yet, when I read through this particular passage in this translation, it seems to, there's more of a flow, and, and I appreciate that particularly for what we're trying to do right now. Um, picture this scenario. In the morning, you have a rather lengthy and, and intense discussion with your spouse, and suddenly you realize you're going to be late for work if you don't get out the door. And so you go to start the car, and it's click, 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 finally turns, you race out of the driveway, don't see the rusty, uninsured truck coming down the road that hits you, and suddenly you realize, I'm going to be late for work, I don't have a car, I'm going to be checking out things at the hospital, and it's just like the intensity of what is going on brings out, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Make it stop. <laughs> We have two elders on it. It should get done. No. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what comes out of us in crisis moments like that um, at times tends to be so micro-focused that all we can think about is our lives and what's going on. You know, my health is shot, my finances are gone, I, my job, you know, da-da-da-da-da. So what happens when Paul is sitting in jail, and in, a, and in a sense has crisis upon him? In this particular book, he starts out with the big picture. And so 
in a sense, he is not letting the situation overwhelm him and that, that fact that he doesn't have the freedom to travel, that his health is in jeopardy, that things aren't going as planned, that others have mistreated him, that you, you, you can list all of that. That's not his preoccupation. He, he goes back to the big picture and he looks at things and he just there's an awe coming out of him. So like when we went through Philippians and it's going rejoice, and he's saying, this is a safeguard for you. This protects your life. And he keeps hitting on that. When, when we look at the book of Ephesians, and particularly this first chapter, we're realizing this guy keeps in mind the big things so that the, the little things don't unravel him. And I'm, I'm reading through a passage like this, and I'm going, I've got a lot to learn in regard to how to approach life and the attitude that I need to carry. And it has to do with keeping things in perspective, so to speak. So let's, let's walk through that. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God, <laughs> selected by God, sitting in jail. You know, he, he, chosen by God. He's, he's not forgetting that God has appointed him to be an apostle. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. There's the greeting. Okay. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, confined. He's still declaring praise unto the Lord, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So he's not bemoaning who has let me end up here, but who, who truly has blessed our lives. We are united with Christ. Now here he goes. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before the world was created, he had a plan. One of the things that happens to me when I feel like things are pressing in is like, I don't have a good enough plan in this moment, you know? You haven't set aside enough money, you haven't done this, haven't set this time block Everything seems to be pushing, you know, not enough time, not enough, you know. And Paul's making this declaration. He says, before time even began, God had a purpose that he was setting in place. Before the world was created. I'm going to get off subject for just a little bit, but um, I'll try to find my way back. My theology, in some measure, dictates even my belief regarding science. I don't let science dictate my theology. And that's, uh, you know, people say, well, you're crazy then. Well, maybe I am. I've had encounters with God, truly believe that, truly believe that His Spirit speaks into my life and speaks to me. So why would I hook into things that don't acknowledge him? 
So I feel an obligation for, in a sense, for that to come in submission to my theology rather than my theology to the science. It's taken me a lot of years to, to embrace this. And I, 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 can, I can walk through all the arguments with you, read both sides, but quite honestly, this is where I'm at at this stage in life. Because I've, I live long enough to see viewpoints change regarding history, regarding archaeology, regarding the sciences. But the constant for me is that the Word of God doesn't fail. And I know that He's speaking into my life. So how, how would I deny that? That's one of the reasons that I tend toward belief in a young earth. I'm going, if humanity is the focal point of creation, why would, why would it be so stretched out as what's presented in this day? Now, I know the arguments regarding temperature and pressure and that things you know, haven't always been the same, but yet we treat them as if they are the same. And there's, I just don't care anymore, for one, I'm sorry. But in, in my heart at this stage, there's this thing of saying, I lean toward this. I don't necessarily feel obligated to, to say that it has to be this way. But I lean toward it because I have this faith that God really is working through humanity and has designed them with particular intent and has a future for them that, that he has called out and called out before he created the earth. That's what Paul is, is looking at and he's going... Yeah, I may be here in this moment. It may not make sense to me right now. But the beauty of this thing is that God had a plan before things even got started. A plan through Christ. So it wasn't like suddenly humanity sinning. Oops, what happened? We better come up with something. Oh, son, will you go fix this? That's not what Scripture is presenting. Oops, they sinned. What are we going to do? Before time began, he purposed something in Christ. Loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And so he says, he understood that there was going to be a sinfulness attached to our lives, but he also made provision for us to be brought into holiness and to have our lives cleansed, and to prepare us for living with him throughout eternity in holiness. So as God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, and this, as you know, has deeply impacted me the fact that I would be considered one of God's children. <laughs> I mean, like his son is one of his children? How, how do you grapple with that? I mean, how can't you be happy over such an idea? I mean, it's, it's wonderful when, when a family 
adopts a child, brings them in and says, we're going to give you the best that we have and how we understand things so that your life can be full and blessed. We're bringing you into our household and you're one of ours now. But that's the picture that Paul's taking and saying, God wanted a big family and he chose to do it through humanity. And I believe that's why he made us in his image. That we were designed to be part of his family from the very beginning. And so when we read the Genesis account that we're made in the image of God, there was a, a uniqueness that he placed on creation, on us as humanity. That said, there's something that I'm placing within you so that you have the capacity to live with me forever. Adopt us into his family so that we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong, who belong to his dear son. So the entry point, of course, is through Christ, but we are brought into the family through him. He's so rich in kindness and grace. He purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So again, more pictures coming out that he's presenting. And, you know, throughout, throughout the Old Testament times, they dealt with people that were bought and sold. And there was uh, this concept of redemption where you would buy back. And so that picture is brought into Scripture and says, Christ bought us. We, he bought us out of our sin that we might be brought into his family. And then also the picture of forgiveness is constant through the Scripture, that, that understanding of sins being washed away, of cleansing coming, of things being forgiven. And, you know, we don't carry that as strongly in our day but every one of us is aware of forgiveness issues and how important it is to our lives. And how essential it is that we act in forgiveness so that others' sin doesn't cling to us as well. But also that we be forgiven so that the things that we've done in violation to others truly can be released and relationship continue. So he takes these powerful concepts and says, both of those are brought together with us and God through Jesus Christ. What a wondrous thing. And he says, He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. So he says, you know, this mystery in a sense is for years there was this setup in preparation through, the, through Abraham and through his seed and, and through the, the sacrificial system and everything else, culminated in the person of Christ. He says, God planned it through the centuries. Do we understand all the details of it? Do we understand why he did the things? No, we get parts of it and pieces of it. But there's still an awe that says, Thousands of years of history were, were brought about in the development of this and all came together in Christ and his death on the cross for our sin. He says, 
That mystery has been revealed now. It's been made known. He says, At the, this is the plan. At the right time, he'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. So he says, what was carried on through the cross and now is in measure being fulfilled with Christ seated at the right hand of God has a yet another application where things in heaven and on earth are all brought together and Christ is head over it all. So he says the big picture is this. We're still locked in this thing of time in, in this world, but he says there is more coming. Things in heaven, things on earth are brought together into one through Christ. It's a powerful, powerful idea. And in prison, he's not moping. He's not griping about, you know, they sure could have made it a little more comfortable. Just think, if he just sent me a couple thousand years later, I'd at least had TV. <laughs> he's just, he's aware of, of how grand this thing really is. He says, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we've received an inheritance from God. Again, another big word. Another thing that's been carried through centuries of parents giving their children an inheritance. And he's saying, as we've come into family, there's an inheritance for us as well. He chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. There's, there's an inheritance coming for those who have embraced the call of Christ. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. He said, what's been started in your heart with this knowledge of God, we declare as new life. What's been opened up by the Spirit. And what continues in your relationship with the Spirit and God. He says all of that is, is just a mark on you. It's a, it's a guarantee of the future. It's, you know, this awareness of God that you have now. This understanding through, that you have through the Spirit. The things that you see functioning, even like this morning. He says it's just a deposit. It's, it's a guarantee that there is more than what we see around us. There's a power of the unseen world that rules the seen. And he says this unseen spirit that's working in you, it's just, it's a guarantee of what lies ahead. He jumps into a thanksgiving and prayer for them, and he goes, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped giving thanks to God for you. 
that I heard, I heard of your faith and I heard of your love being expressed to others. And been grateful for that, thanking God. And I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. That's an awesome prayer for all of us to pray over each other. May you grow in spiritual knowledge and insight. Wisdom of the Lord. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you'll understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are rich and <laughs> glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. So he says, it's not like it's just been left, but he says, there is a power at work in you and available to you that is amazing. Here's, here's how he explains it. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Our hope of eternal life is based in this confidence that Christ was raised from the dead. And he says that same power that was exerted to him is at work in your life as well. He goes on, he says, he's, in, in regard to Christ, he says, he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So he says, this amazing power that's been given to Christ, this power that's at work in you, he also says, that in Christ, that power is being used in the church. We don't always live up to that, but that's certainly the target. And that's certainly the opportunity. It's just as Christ has been called the head, he's the body is the church. Those who believe in Christ. And there's a functioning in, in that that you're going, it's ridiculous to think of just a head with a disassociated body that's kind of just stuck and, until eternity. Doesn't make sense. Paul has a picture that's saying what's functioning on the earth today through the power of God is coming through the church. The declaration of Christ in the world is what is 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 coming through our lives. That's how he designed it. Sometimes we wish and say, well, that's a lot of responsibility. No, that's a lot of privilege. That he would choose not only to say, you're part of family, but I'm making you a part of the family business even now. I've got activity for you to participate in. I watch these little kids. They want work to do from the time they're tiny. You can watch 
you know, I can watch my grandson in particular. He gets angry if he is not involved in the activity. And, and you're kind of going, well, it's going to take a little more time. He doesn't care. He wants involvement. And it's the same that God places in us the honor of involvement and participation, activity. So we're called the body. He's the head over all things for the benefit of the church. The church is his body. It is made full and complete in Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Most likely I'm going to keep in this book for a little bit, but I, I guess I want to go back to the original point. We tend to see things almost in microscope perspective where we get so caught up with our lives, we don't even see others. I mean, selfish people and self-absorbed people are a pain to be around simply because it's only about them and the only conversation they want is about them. And hopefully, you know, you, you break out of that at some point and, and you actually begin to have earnest um, awareness of others, but also concern for them. But what, what we have in, in a person like Paul, who's, who has every right, if there is a right, to become focused on his own ills, he instead takes this big picture and, and, and reveals to us one of the most wonderful passages of Scripture that kind of gives the, the, the broad strokes. It says, God had a plan from before the beginning of time. And so even though I may not understand the plan at the moment as to how it applies to my life and what's going on right now, I know that there is a grand design that, it, that even takes this into account. And there's a wonder that can fill our hearts and say, I'm getting through this. I just don't know how yet. I'm coming out of this victorious. I just don't know the details of it. I know that my life adopted in him, that one day I'm going to be invited into a family that includes heaven and earth together. And this is going to seem pretty insignificant in comparison. And so I might as well live with that insight now and live a grateful and thankful life that praises God for the wonder of what he's included me into, brought me into. Furthermore, when I look at the person of Jesus Christ, there, there is an awe that comes up in my heart and a gratefulness that says he walked it out and he provided for this avenue for me to enter into the fullness of life with him. And the only thing that, that precipitates that is that he does it out of love because there was nothing in me that really was drawing that would say, oh, I can't live without them. But rather, in his own compassion, he's saying, I won't live without them. I want them to be a part of this. And we have this privilege of the Holy Spirit even now as a deposit 
And then we have the honor of being called the body of Christ as we live that out in him. What an awesome and wondrous thing. My prayer is that in our hearts, rather than moping about the circumstances, that there's an attitude change that says, I will give thanks because I truly believe that he has brought me into his kingdom. And I will walk in that destiny. May not be aware of all the details and where it's going. May not even be all that appreciative of the moment. But I will declare his goodness. And I will declare my destiny in him. And I will acknowledge that from the beginning of time to the end of time, he has had his hand on things. And it's good. Praise to God. We thank you for your scripture. We thank you for what was written from a prison. We thank you that it is our privilege to take on a similar mindset. Let that be in our hearts, we pray. Amen.